We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We are the Men from Moto, and you're listening to episode 62, Beta Than You. My name is David Seville, and I have Travis Sowers on the line with me this week. How are you, sir? I'm better than you, David. It's debatable. I think your rank is a little higher than mine currently, but um, you also play about 50 times more games than I do on stream. Debatable? I, I would see what say you did there. I, I would say it's debatable. You you picked it up better than I did. It was yeah. accidental. Um, so this week's episode, we're going to talk all about Arena, 100% about Arena. Uh, you've been jamming it pretty much every day on stream. I've done two, three streams on it already, and including a surprise saturday afternoon stream which was a a rarity for me so that's how much i'm enjoying it how have your experiences been so far Uh, since i started uh, recording draft videos for mana deprived like six years ago the only time i have played magic online were when i was recording a video or when i was streaming it but this saturday we were going to see some of our friends and kelsey was getting ready and i'd already finished my shower and i was like I kind of want to go do my daily quests. And I went and played arena by myself for 30 minutes and knocked out three wins. I didn't quite get the four I wanted, but I was like, I just played magic for fun. And it, it was cool. And they incentivized me and I followed the incentive and I liked it. I like, I like everything about this. And I I know there's a lot of criticisms and complaints and we're going to address some of those, but like, this is for me. I'm in. It's uh, it's been fun to just sit down and play casual magic, um, and I think the the notion that this is you know standard sealed league constructed is kind of what it feels like makes it fun. Like I enjoy limited, and the part of the reason I enjoy limited is because you have a limited collection to play with, and it reminds me of you know building decks with my daughter or building decks out of a deck builder's toolkits and, and taking it to Friday Night Magic. So it, yeah. it's kind of a bit nostalgic for me. Um, but I also enjoy the competition. I've built um, a solid deck, not great, but definitely solid. And I've had some like insane games, games that I wouldn't get playing limited on Magic Online, not because you know Magic Online is different. It's just because you just don't get those kinds of games in limited very frequently. Um, so this is kind of a good, good way to get me into the constructed mentality mm-hmm. Um and still flex my limited skills and, and trying to build something out of nothing. And it's it's been quite fun so far. I would caution that that feel we're having right now, that this is sort of like a, a giant sealed pool, is going to fade when this game actually releases. Because the, the only reason we're seeing that now is it's closed beta and I can't buy packs. If the packs are priced right, and I, I think we have a, a point to talk about that this evening too, I'm going to drop a ton of money into this game. So, like, your card pool will be much larger when this actually releases. But right now it is quite unique in that it it really does feel like a a really big sealed pool. Yeah, and even though it it will change, it has definitely increased my interest in Constructed Magic. um, You know, so much so that these Challenger decks that are coming out, I can see myself 
buying one of those and hitting up a Friday Night Magic or something like that, just because I am enjoying this aspect of Magic a lot more than I thought I would. So um, it's all good for me all around. And, um, you know, we might as well enjoy the journey, right? Yeah, a positive experience for me so far, for sure. So this week, I mean, it's it's a little bit special. We kind of skipped it early on here, but this is our 50th episode. So congratulations to you on 50 episodes of podcasting. Thank you very much, David. That, I didn't that get is you anything. a bit of a milestone. I kind of thought you would this time. Nope. I didn't You're even realize it was our something. 50th episode. I had no, no idea. No, you didn't. Yeah. It, the math is weird on that one. So, yeah. But And as I pointed out, it's not really our 50th episode because I was on two episodes before the reboot. You did two episodes without me, and I did one episode without you. This is true. Does it help if those two episodes that I did without you were the most listened to episodes in history? I'm kidding. I was going to say, where'd you get your numbers? No, I, I, I don't. You wound me, the, David. Those are pure, pure made-up numbers. No, but it's been a, it's been quite a journey. We uh, obviously started with the pilot, and we were doing biweekly to start, skipping like weeks around Christmas and things like that. Um, but it's been quite a quite a journey since we started doing weekly podcasts, and uh, here's to fifty more. Heck yeah, man! I I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the content. It tickles me that people are digging it and, and listening to it. And I do look forward to getting to chat with you every week. It is a reason for me to uh, turn on Skype and, and chat with you. So I do enjoy that as well. All right. So let's dive in. We've both had a week or so with Arena. What what is your what has your experience been over the first week when it comes to Arena in a little more detail than what we just talked about? Well, uh, I, I logged in. We've got the starter decks and they gave everybody 12 packs to get started with. I'm curious if when it releases, if you'll get any packs to open. I imagine they'd give you some, but 12 felt very generous uh, because they've mentioned that they want you to be able to open the vault once a month, and I was able to do it in less than a week uh, without buying any packs. So I I feel like we're getting a hypercharged version, and then it slows down immediately because we can't spend the money. But as I mentioned on the last podcast, my idea was to create one deck that could close games quickly, whether it went or lost, uh, and that was Mono Red that I had my sights set on. I happened to open a Hazret and get a Mythic Wild card, which I immediately converted to another Hazret and built the Mono Red deck and realized I could get 30 wins in about five hours, uh, sometimes four and a half. I was kind of impressed with that. And then I realized I'd made a colossal mistake because I stream for about eight or nine hours a day. And that meant I really only have incentive to play Arena for five hours a day. Uh-huh. So I've been working on red-green dinosaurs, and it, it, it's not quite as good because I'm missing some of the cards. It plays out a little slower. Um, I've also, even when I switch to mono-red towards the end of the day to make sure that I do get my quest completions, I don't just scoop to the Scarab God, uh, which I had been doing before because I was like, losses don't matter, I just need my wins. And surprisingly, I've beaten a few of them today on stream. Like, they played the Scarab God and, like, Rather than panicking, I looked at my hand and was like, that's actually not a problem. I can kill them in two turns no matter what they do with that. So I, I kind of like that aspect too. But it, it just tickled me that I did build, build a deck to maximize, you know, quote, gaming the system and ended up gaming myself. Uh, but I, what I learned in that process is like those first four wins, which are the, the crucial ones, I have those 45 minutes to an hour into every stream if I'm playing mono red, right? So... If you're somebody, when this comes out, that you're looking to get involved in that free-to-play model and you want those four wins, but you've only got 30, 45 minutes to play a night, you're going to be able to do that. Just build a quick deck. 
and it doesn't have to be mono red. It can be you know mono white. It can be black white vampires. The Merfolk deck doesn't seem as good now that we've got the addition of the M and Cat cards. Uh, it might could still work. It'll at least close games quickly. So I, I think that strategy is certainly viable. Just if if you're going to invest a lot of time, uh, don't build the quickest deck. And then I found out those last rewards really aren't super valuable. Like I'm not grinding them out to grind them out. I'm playing the game because it's fun. I even played a few after I couldn't get any rewards anymore because I was just kind of digging that dinosaur deck. So like that that's kind of my first experience. I've seen the competition be okay. I I've seen like some people in chat would, you know, get frustrated because somebody timed out and I'm like this is absolutely nothing compared to somebody timing out in Magic Online. Like you're just sitting there for 10 minutes staring at chat going Duh. whereas here it's it's a couple seconds and it's over with. But I'd say generally speaking, all my experiences have been positive. I've been having a lot of fun. There's a lot of things I want that we don't have yet, uh, but it's beta. I'll give them some time for that. Yeah, your experience is a little bit different than mine. Um, I'm playing a lot less than you. Um, you know, I'm getting maybe 10 to 15 wins a day when I'm streaming, and if I'm not, I'm usually doing my first four. So, um, so, so I'm definitely enjoying those front-loaded rewards. Um, I'm having a lot of done, a lot of fun playing against the Scarab God deck, which is kind of surprising. Um, I don't think I've lost to one yet, which is kind of crazy. Um, I'm playing a blue-white uh, tokens deck, so blue-white Embalm and Internalize. And let me tell you, the best thing with this deck that I'm doing right now is seeing my opponent play a Drowned Catacombs on turn one and being like, I gotcha. This game is over on turn one. I had a game, I've had very interesting games against Control, and um, I didn't think that I would. I didn't think I would enjoy this. But I enjoy trying to navigate the control matchup with this deck, trying to maximize all of my Embalm creatures, um, trying to put cards in the main, like obviously in the main deck. But after each match against control, I figure out what can I change? What can I make better? What can I, what can I do against control deck? And I've ended up with this deck that seems to just hammer control quite nicely. So the idea behind it is um, you play around counter spells by playing cheap creatures that you don't care if they get countered uh sacred cats anointed priests sunskirt champions things like that and then you just play them back from the yard when your opponent can't can't counter them so they end up what they end up doing is they end up holding up all this counter mana and you're just playing things from the yard and it's like who cares and then when they finally start playing their chupacabras um you know that's when you start holding up your essence scatters and start nabbing scarab gods and you play cast outs and things like that to also get their scarab gods and eventually they tap out to play their scarab god and then you stick something dumb like a vizier of the anointed and you start drawing cards from your graveyard and or you play a glyph keeper and they can't deal with it because they don't have two spells in hand anymore to deal with it and it's just kind of this like fun long grindy game which is completely against what you should be doing if you're looking to grind out these quick wins but i've had some epic matches i had one match and i don't tell stories like this about limited right like i mean maybe once in a while but like i've had i have multiple stories about my constructed play in magic arena and my favorite one so far is I was playing Drago against blue-white control on the other side of the table. Not blue-white tokens, just straight up like blue-white control. I assume they were approached, but they never cast one. And I stuck like a turn one sacred cat, and it went 17 turns unanswered while my <laughs> opponent and I countered each other's things or just played Drago the entire time. And I think maybe I tried to play one or two spells that just got put in the yard because they were countered. But I was making sure that my opponent was not spending their mana where possible. Um, eventually, they just started cycling things and, and drawing cards. And then finally, 
they went to tap out for i don't remember what they tapped out for maybe they played like a cast out or something like that and i just eternalized something from the yard and the game was over but they were like it was like three life for them because of this stupid sacred cat and i think they eventually maybe ixlan's binding the sacred cat or something like that <laughs> that's great and it was just like all right i'll just play this guy from the yard and this game's over next turn send me your and, list uh, i'd be interested in seeing it yeah i will it's it needs a few things it's not like uh quite like kenji's list that he was playing on stream the other day um but it's, it's getting close and uh it's a lot of fun i really yeah. enjoy it i i think something that you mentioned that's really important is those front-loaded rewards and I, I just want to mention how much I like that. I don't quite know because it wasn't really as transparent when I played Eternal or Hearthstone how their rewards were front-loaded or not. But those first four wins get you basically half a pack and then uh, a common, two uncommons, and a rare card from from what I've been able to tell. And like, I, I love that there's incentive in there for somebody that can play for 30 minutes or an hour a night to go in there and get that. And then there's also incentive for somebody who can sink in more time or who can sink in more time on one day to get a little bit extra rewards, but not so much that it feels like I'm overwhelming you. Like if we played a, a game against each other, I don't feel like you'd be, well, Travis only beat me because he has better cards, right? You'd be like, Travis beat me because he's a better magic player than me and more handsome and just generally, you know, better. But uh, seriously, I, I think the reward structure is just fantastic so that somebody can play for a little bit, get their rewards, and if they choose, play longer and get less rewards, but still have an incentive to keep going. I, th I think the only gripe about it from the general public, and, and I, I kind of understand this, this sentiment, is that the rewards stop at 30 wins, so there's no incentive to, to continue to play past that. Now, there, there could be many reasons for that, um, You know, one of which is obviously you know, you kind of don't want to encourage, I guess you kind of do want to encourage people to play as much as they can, but I, th I think you have to put a limit on it somewhere just so that people that have no life can't grind that out. Well, I guess, I guess maybe, maybe I need to not look at it that way. Maybe that's not a problem. Maybe it's like, who cares if you can play 60 games in a day to grind out your extra common cards? Um, the, the other complaint that I've seen is that you don't necessarily get rewarded for losing. And I've seen that, that, you know the developers have kind of said like that it's magic is a game about winning like you want to encourage the winning and you don't want to encourage people scooping early to a scarab god or you don't want to encourage people you know connecting and dropping their games right away or bots for example from playing the game but i could see you know maybe some changes to the reward system where i don't know how they would do this but if, if they did you know if you're playing a new deck to you or a new color that you haven't played before or something like that that maybe you could unlock rewards by earning achievements you know not just your quests but something similar to quests that you can achieve even while you're losing i think would be good for for newer players to grind that out as opposed to just the winning players well I, I, here's I, there's two points there and i want to address both of them right now there isn't anything above 30 wins first off if i'm pushing super hard to get that i think i could do it in four hours Right, like if I'm just absolutely focused on it, I'm scooping immediately when I, I like I mulligan once, the hand doesn't look great, I just immediately scoop, move to the next game. I'm not streaming, I'm not interacting with chat. Maybe I could pull it off in three hours, but that's still a pretty heavy time investment for gaming. And, and two, there will be a reward 
eventually. I can't imagine they're not going to do something similar to what we've already seen be successful in other online card games and that there's an end of month or end of season reward based on your rank. So for me right now, I'm gold one and I don't care. Like that that means absolutely nothing. There's no reward based on that. It doesn't do anything. I guess it's just a measure of something. But like, tell me that I need to be gold one or diamond five or whatever the ranks go up to by, you know, April 1st and I get this thing. This thing can be a mythic wild card. It can be a pack. It can be a cool avatar. I don't care what it is. I'm going to try to get that, right? So I feel like there will be an incentive when it's based on rank. The rank just doesn't matter now. And that's fine because it's early in the beta. And then there was a kind of second point about incentives for for losing. Like in Magic, even if you're terrible and you've built an awful deck, your opponent can still get mana screwed and you can still get wins. Like I I still like the idea of rewarding people for winning. So I I have seen some of the complaints about, you know, I can't complete my quest if I can't win a game. It's like, well, you might want to consider playing a different deck or or like trying to figure out why you're not winning. Because I I don't feel like there should be rewards in this game for, for losing. I can certainly understand that it's frustrating, but there's just such a low investment in it that like I've I've yet to lose a game on arena and had anything approaching tilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's fair. Um I think it's just generally speaking in like the the free to play models is you want to be able to encourage all of your players to enjoy and feel like they're making progress when it comes to collecting the things. Yeah. Um, and that goes for your best and your worst players alike. So, I mean, it is what it is. I'm just, you know, these are kind of the the things that I think about when I I think about free to play games. Well, some of the quests were like cast 20 creatures or play 12 blue spells and like mm-hmm. you can you can absolutely accomplish those and work your way towards them and maybe if more of the quests are focused on do this thing and then the card based rewards are focused on wins they've got a good balance there yeah and it obviously helps that, that your first win of the day is your most valuable win gold wise right so if you if you get a quest that is play 12 blue spells and you win one game during that time that's like half a pack right there so yeah um yeah, it's it's pretty good. It, it's not bad. Now, there has been some talk about how slow the rewards are and how slow it is to earn packs, and um, this has been kind of talked about on the the Magic Arena forums by the developers. Um, you know, they talked about adding Mythic cards back to the, the uh, to the vault and things like that. So um, it does feel slow, um, and I think the reason it feels a little slow is because there are four sets of cards to collect. And we're getting commons one card at a time. And when I get enough gold to buy a pack in a week, I don't know what set I should buy my pack from. You know, there's there's cards that I want from everything. So it's kind of like, you know, I have to backfill 1,500 cards in my collection. Obviously, I don't need all of them, but I can't. I have no way to get rid of the commons that I don't need and the mythics I don't need. So I essentially am backfilling an entire collection here. Um, and one card at a time, one comment at a time does feel slow. Um, you know, and I think that's a valid argument. I don't know how much faster it should be for me. I don't know what the target should be when it comes to how many packs per week your average player should get. But I think we have to keep in mind is when we're, when we're making these arguments or these complaints that, you know, free to play players need to have the incentive to play and feel like they're making progress you know your quote-unquote whales which is how what they refer to them when the when they talk about like in the industry um about free-to-play players that are paying money for it 
you know, they need to be able to buy things and spend money on the game and feel like they've got value for their their dollar compared to somebody that is grinding it out in the free-to-play model. And then Wizards, obviously, needs to make money off of this. If they're not making any money off of this, then the game won't exist and none of us will get to enjoy it. So there's kind of like this, like, you have to kind of satisfy everybody. And it feels like right now, obviously, like the, the free-to-play players, because that's what we all are, yeah, you can't pay if, any money right now. You can't pay any money for that, and that and that feels slow. So all we have is speculation is on how much the the pay to play players are, you know, how much of advantage they're going to have over the free to play players, and um, what what's the co- what are the costs going to be, and things like that. And Wizards has come out and, and said that you know we have to factor in things like events, where I imagine these are constructed style tournaments that you can enter maybe for free, maybe with gold. Who knows? to earn prizes at the outset. Um, There's also draft we have to factor in where these are keeper drafts. They're not phantom drafts. So we are going to open these packs, which have they've said will add to the vault. And then you get to keep all of the cards that you open. So there's another way for cards to get into the economy, but we don't know what the pricing model is on that. And we don't know what the prize structure is on that. There's a lot of things kind of in flux right now. So while I think, I think the complaints are valid that it's slow potentially right now. um, and, And it is, it does feel a little slow at times. Um, we don't know what that'll look like. And they're obviously behind the scenes going to tweak knobs and, and change drop rates and, and things like that as we go. So the whole point of this process is for us to test and give feedback on this. So if you have complaints about it, go post them constructively on the forums or on Twitter or something like that. Um, and, and don't just come out and say that this game is junk and the developers are greedy. Like those are the two worst things you can say because they're not going to read your opinion and, and everybody's going to ignore it. So, you know, provide that feedback. It's not greedy to get paid for a game that you're making. Like, that's not that's not greedy. Yeah, I never really understood that. That's another argument for another time, but I never really understood that. It's that cash grab thing that we talked about before where I hate those words, cash grab. Of course they're grabbing cash. That's what you do with money. You get paid and you go home and you feed your family. But whatever. That's a rant for another day, so. Um, I, I, I think the biggest thing for me is still to remember that we can't spend money here, and there, there is a difference between... You know, somebody who says, okay, it's released today. I'm going to drop $200 on packs and have all the cards. And there's a difference between that and somebody who says, you know what? I'm going to spend 20 bucks a month on this. I'm going to get a couple packs and I'm going to do six drafts a month. And it's going to be awesome. Like, or somebody who's even like, you know what? I'll put 10 bucks in and that buys me, I don't know, eight drafts a month or whatever. If that's all they're focused on. So you buy into one and you grind out some gold and you earn another one. And like, we just, we don't know where those numbers are yet, but I, I, I don't think it's absurd to think that most people will spend a little bit on this. You know, oh, I'm 4% away from the vault and I need that one more mythic for my deck. Yeah. Let's go ahead and buy one pack. Like, especially if, depending on, on where they're priced. And I have some speculation and some thoughts about that too. And what might be a good model and kind of what I'm hoping to see. But like, I, I think everybody will spend a little bit on this. Some people will spend a lot. And then the sum of that keeps the business going. Do you want to speculate on what we think these things are going to cost or what you would pay for for cards, for packs? I mean, I have a dream of dollar packs. Like, it would be nothing for me to drop 50 bucks immediately. Like, if, if I boot it up tomorrow and they're like, hey, it's it's a dollar a pack, I'm in. Let's build the decks. I think a dollar fifty would also be reasonable, and I think they could do some sort of bundle. And we've seen this in uh, Hearthstone in particular, where you buy like a bundle of cards, and you you either get a discount or you get a prize. 
right? Mm-hmm. And I could see them do, certainly doing something like that as well. I, and the big thing for me is how much draft is going to cost. And we had a long conversation about this on stream today, and that I I think it, I think ideally it should be around four or five bucks. Do you know what it is in Hearthstone and Eternal to draft? I don't think I've actually paid for a draft in either of those. I have not paid for a draft in either of those. And if, if yeah, I actually haven't. I didn't spend any money in Eternal, and I spent a little bit on Hearthstone, but it was for packs. Yeah. To be honest, though, the draft experience in those games, A, is not as integral to it as it is to Magic, and B, wasn't drafting. Like, Hearthstone's version of draft is Arena, and for those who don't know, you're not drafting with other people. You're presented three cards, and you pick one of them. They're generated by a computer. You do that by yourself, and then you play the games against other people. In Eternal, they kind of tried to straddle that world of Hearthstone drafting with Magic drafting, by making some weird algorithms and computer wizardry where you're drafting packs that other people have have drafted imagine that when you opened your draft packs you always passed left right like we don't switch mm-hmm. so you're you're getting packs that people are passing you but they drafted a week ago or 3 days ago so you're not actually drafting with other people but you are seeing packs that other people have picked and it was kind of fun cuz reading signals was important there but it it just wasn't the same thing Whereas I feel like Magic trying to give us an, an authentic draft experience is really trying to do something very different from what Hearthstone and Eternal are doing. And I, I really like that and I'm excited about it. Um, so I, I don't mind paying a little bit more of a premium there for it. I, I just I want to be able to chain them and I don't want them to be that expensive. Because I feel like if they come out and say, okay, you can draft for $9, I'll be like, why would ever I do that? I can just draft on Magic Online for, for $9. Like that, that doesn't strike me as a, a good price point, but I, I don't know. We'll have to see and we'll have to see what the prizes are like. If they're like, you can draft for $9 and the winner gets three drafts. All right. I'm in. Yeah. I think it comes down to that cost per draft. You know, I track that for myself and you know, I, I'm around a dollar 50 to $2 a draft or whatever it is right now. Um, so, so being able to chain drafts, I think is very important in Hearthstone. I don't remember, but you had to go like, 10 and 2 if i remember correctly to, like and you could go 12 wins maximum but you had to go like 10 and 2 i think to be able to like profit right yeah an eternal was seven wins i remember that you had to go seven wins and anything less than that you weren't profiting i could be wrong about the hearthstone side of things but um you know on, on magic online i can go to one most of the time with the occasional 3-0 and be breaking even in packs on magic online so i would expect I'm expecting nothing less. I'm hoping for nothing less than that on arena because otherwise what's the point, right? Like maybe I'll spend my gold. If I can spend my gold on drafting instead of opening packs, I'll do that because you know, the mantra, like don't crack packs unless you're drafting. Um, but, but if that's the case, then I'll just do that on, on magic online. Now that's not to say that I wouldn't spend money on arena because I have enjoyed streaming it and I have enjoyed the, the constructed nature of it. Um, but it's just like, there has to be a good reason for me to not draft on magic online. And, and I think cost is the number one, number one thing for that. But if it, if I can play them for free, if I can grind out 5,000 gold and do a draft, for example, I'm all about that because you know, I'm, I'm going to be playing arena anyway, if I'm streaming it and I might as well throw in the occasional draft. Yeah. I'm with you there. I just, I, I really hope it's cheap enough that we can, I can have a draft day, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's one thing I like about magic online is I can sit down and draft all day. And I want to be able to do that in Arena 2 without breaking the bank. 
especially given that I'm streaming the game and like streaming is my source of income, I can't spend more to play the game than I'm making from streaming it or we're, we're going to have some problems. Um, although you did mention something, um, don't crack the packs unless you're drafting. Can I just say that it's been really fun opening packs on stream? Oh, it has been great fun. I have been like advertising on my Twitter that I'm going to crack some packs and then I wait until, you know, some people show up and then we play a game and then we crack some packs and it's great. People love watching it. It is fun to do to just like slow roll the rear a little bit and sweat it a little bit. And like the best thing to open are the wild cards. So I'm like always tickled to see those, but it's kind of neat too. When you get that one last common that you needed for the deck, like I'd forgotten the joy of just opening a pack of cards and seeing what's in it. It's great. I got my my mythic wild cards spoiled for me. I didn't have any mythic wild cards, and then I opened a pack. I didn't open the rare, but um, my little indicator at the top of the screen turned from yellow to red to indicate that I had a <laughs> mythic wild card. I'm like, oh, I didn't. I didn't even flip the card over yet. That that sucks, but it was it's still fun. Yeah, um, they, they should adjust that so it doesn't add in until afterwards. <laughs> but beta, beta, beta. I enjoyed that. Actually, this is where the blue-white tokens deck came from, is that we were opening packs, some of our initial packs, and I opened a Temet, and somebody on stream was like, hey, we should make blue-white tokens. And then I'm like, you know what? Why don't we do that? And we threw you know, most of the cards that I had from the starting collection in, anything that was blue and white that had Embalm or Eternalize on it, and all of a sudden I have part of a deck, right? Spend a couple of wild cards, and it's like, hey, this thing looks like it could be fun. Let's try it. So, you know it takes me back to opening packs when I was younger and it's like, Hey, look at this flashy dragon. I'm going to build a deck around it. And it was kind of cool. It was, it was fun. So uh, I'm not opposed to cracking packs like that. I would still definitely prefer to draft though. Oh yeah, me too. But I, I don't think the packs that we're getting from the store now or that we're buying with our gold or the same ones that we're drafting with, they've told us we'll have full size packs for draft. And these are not full size packs, right? Like you get a rare two uncommons and what is it? Five commons now. Uh, yeah, some, yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Eight cards. So it's, it's good though. I, I enjoy it. I just wish that there weren't four sets to collect right now. Like, I think that's a bit of a grind, um, when you're opening packs, cause I never know what to buy. Like, do I go for the Scarab Gods, even though I hate it? Like I, the card's great, but I just don't want to play it. Um, or, or do I go for Ammon Ket because of, you know, of the lands or whatever. It's just, it's all over the map right now for me. I've been going for Ammon Cat both because of the lands and because I figure if I'm going to buy, I don't want to buy um, rivals. Although I guess if you're looking to maximize wild cards and vault progress, that's what you should do because you're going to get three packs of rivals a week anyway. So like you can fill out that collection faster if you're doing that. Yeah, but I don't know if that's fast enough because you're just going to be duplicating your uh, commons and uncommons, which are like 0.1% to the vault or 0.3% to the vault. So yeah. I don't. I, I think that's you're talking months to get any kind of value off of that, not days or weeks. Yeah, yeah, that's a very long term project. But I, I've been buying the the Amonkhet ones. I figure the lands are good rares. I'd be happy with, and I still need a, f- a few key uh, mythics from Amonkhet for my deck. So it could happen. Um, so you talked a little bit about how much you're willing to spend. Do you? Do you have any more thoughts on that? Like from from my perspective, I haven't really talked about it, but you know, I have, I have a gaming budget at home here, or or I have a, a fun budget that I spend my my money on, my disposable income on. And like, do you think it's realistic that you'll spend fifty dollars a set, more than that, less than that? I think I think for me, I was thinking, you know, if you spend twenty five, fifty dollars when a set drops, maybe on packs, maybe just on drafts. Like, is that that's that's about something amount the amount that I would spend on Magic Online? Actually, it might even be a little bit more. But 
do you think that's a good target for you? Are you kind of in the more or less category? What What do you think? Well, it, it depends, right? Because on Magic Online, I actually haven't spent any money in a long time because you can bank so much value there. So like for me, it, Magic Online was essentially a free-to-play game after I'd invested in it for that first year or so that I played. And I don't know how much I actually dropped. It was probably close to $200 over a year before I actually got good enough that I could play and not have to keep buying packs or, or hitting anything. And it took me a while to figure out don't buy packs from the store. Like... I didn't know what I was doing when I started playing that. Whereas here, I will have to spend the money. Like, you're going to be able to bank some wild cards, which I think is interesting, right? Like, once you've got that first collection, any wild cards you get that you don't need, you can just hang on to them until a new set comes out and then immediately craft what you want. But I think, like, if I'm spending $50 in expansion and stream viewership goes up a little bit because more people are interested in Magic... And like the stream is supporting that as well. I, I think that's a very reasonable target for me to spend per set. I have no problem dropping 50 bucks every three months. Now, if that means that I don't get to draft but once a week, I feel like there's a problem. I feel like there's a serious problem. So that's that's where I want the target to be. I'd like to be able to maybe, and maybe I'm asking for too much. Like I don't care necessarily about keeping the cards. I want the experience. Maybe there can be some way to draft something between what Eternal and Hearthstone are doing. Like, do you... What I'm going for is I want to have a limited play experience that I can do, not necessarily for free, but close to it. Um, do you remember the Forge and Eternal? Mm-hmm. So it was, Where you could... You could essentially play for free if you just got, like, a handful of wins, right? Yeah, and you were playing against AI, and you were mm-hmm. doing a, a draft experience. I'm not sure if you guys could hear the air quotes, but they were there a draft experience against AI opponents and then playing against AI opponents. You got to keep the cards and like you only drafted 10 cards. It it wasn't quite perfect, but it was a limited like experience that didn't cost any money. And I enjoyed that aspect of that game. Although again, the the competitive nature of me kind of got out when I was like, "I, I don't really like playing against the AI. They don't always make good decisions. So like it's possible that there could be a game mode in here that is limited play where you don't keep the cards or something between that, maybe a best of one match. Cause they've, they've told us we'll have keeper drafts. It's full packs. It'll be best two out of three, but they haven't said that's all we'll have, right? Like magic online released with that and sealed and PTQs and four packs sealed and all sorts of things you could do. So when we get to full release, I'm just interested if there's another limited gameplay mode uh, where I can be able to sit and, and play that. I don't know for a third of my streaming day, without having to continually dump money into the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'll, and it also depends on what the rewards are too, right? Like you said, like we talked about chaining drafts and things like that. So it kind of depends on if you get, if you're incentivized to be a better player or not. Yeah. Um, but the good thing is, is obviously you can always fall back on the constructed side. Yeah, right? for sure. And like, like a, what's got me playing is that it's fun to play constructed in this interface, right? Like maybe I'm a weirdo, but I think it's really freaking cool when I play my glory bringer and it breathes fire on the opponent. I'm like, it's just, it's just fun to play the cards. And I I didn't get that experience when I was throwing a glory bringer on the table in a standard tournament. I'm like, okay, here's what this is. Here's what it does. But like, I'm just, I'm enjoying the aspect of playing the game, not just the strategy involved therein. Yeah, I'm enjoying the, playing the game for the most part. Um, like the game itself is fun. I've run into some some things that are frustrating, um, which do take away from the experience. Which I will give to Magic Online is that, you know, their interface for the game is 
better at some things, even though the Magic Arenas is, is flashier. But for the most part, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I've had an experience because I have like seven different lands in my deck now, I think. Maybe I'm up to eight, um, where once you've played more than six different types of lands, they kind of shrink and get this little tiny interface that you now you have to click on, and, and that's annoying. And I've also had, because I play so many tokens, that... You know, when it comes time to block your opponent's creatures, when they've decided to swing out at you with eight creatures, kind of becomes a nightmare to block. They'll fix that, I'm sure. They'll work on that. I'm giving them feedback on it. I'm going to post it on the forums tonight when I take a screenshot. Um, but but overall, this has been positive. And I think overall, um, you know, the gripes of the economy aside, I think if people just step back and realize that that is in the progress of being tweaked, I think they would see a game that is going to be fun for all sorts of different audiences. And and you mentioned this on the on the warm-up show, but um, you know, there are people on Twitter that are all like, I've played one game at Magic Pros particular, but I've played one game of Arena and I hated it. It's not for me. And you mentioned that they're kind of missing the point, right? So so what is the point then to you? So the the point for me is that Magic has always been a paper trading card game, right? You, you play with your friends at the kitchen table, you go to Friday Night Magic, you go to a Grand Prix, you play on the Pro Tour, but it's always about playing with paper cards, a card game, right? And when Magic Online was created, it's very much a tabletop simulator that just works for Magic the Gathering. Like, that's all you're doing is playing a recreation of the paper game. And it's not 100% accurate. Oddly enough, the timing system in Arena seems more close to paper to me than the timing system of Magic Online, but that, that's neither here nor there. Its goal was to recreate Paper Magic, so much so that its economy was tied to Paper Magic, so that the cards actually have real-world value, even though they're digital objects. So someone looking to, to play Paper Magic and then getting into Magic Online as a way to play more of it makes a lot of sense to me. Like, I was on the First Strike podcast this week, and I talked some with Derek about this. He was like, I don't think Magic Online is for me. And I'm like... No, I think it's probably not. You're a competitive paper player, and that's what you're looking for, is to be able to play more competitive paper magic, and you're not going to get that here. I also had a conversation with uh, Ryan Sachs was on the stream, and he was like, they can't price draft too low, or everyone's going to quit magic online. I was like, I don't actually think that's the case. Like, if I'm, I'm, I'm going to Grand Prix DC a little later this year, when I'm practicing draft for that GP... I am not doing it on Arena, even if it's absolutely free. Especially if it's absolutely free, I don't want to practice it on Arena. I want to play where there is skin in the game and there's stakes involved, and I need to be able to sit down and grind it all day. And I I know I can do that on Magic Online, and I want the interface to to closely mimic paper so I can get ready for that. But if I'm going to draft for fun, I'd rather do that in Arena. So my thought for all of this was that a lot of high-level competitive Magic players aren't digging it, And that's fine. They're not playing video games. They're playing Paper Magic, and they want more Paper Magic. This is not Paper Magic. This is Magic with the paper removed. Now, that's not to say there won't be a competitive scene here. I believe that there will be. There are plenty of people in the Hearthstone competitive scene that didn't have a background in playing card games. They had a background in playing video games, right? And that's what Arena is. So we we could one day see an Arena Pro Tour or a Pro Tour-level event for Arena, where it's it's a big deal. We go to a stadium. There's huge monitors like esports. Esports ready, but like 
I think all of those things could come here if this is exceptionally successful, but I don't think any of it is necessarily something that will appeal to someone who would rather be playing paper. Like, I feel like a large portion of, of the Magic Online players are playing it, but they'd really rather be at the local game store. The problem is Friday Night Magic only happens on Friday. So on the other nights, I have to draft here. But man, I'd rather be out with my friends doing that. And then arenas for the people who are like, I just want to play a video game, man. I'll, I'll go out and watch a movie with my friends or go have a few beers, but this is this is my time to unwind. I want to play a video game for 30 minutes. And like, that's a completely different audience. So I, I, that's the point I think a lot of people are missing is that like, this is magic, but it, it's presented somewhere else. Like in the past... And I'm sorry to take so much time and go on such a big rant here, but like, if if you're looking to play Magic, how did you learn to play Magic, Dave? With my buddy, with uh, when we were kids. Yeah, and th- I think that's how most people have learned to play. I've only met one person. We're gonna have a little Travis story. I've only met one person in my entire life that started playing Magic through Magic Online. Awesome dude. His name was Yang. Um, I went to GP Nashville a while back. Chris Woodall, who had just top eight at a GP, started going around to Twitch streamers and asking who would want to team with him and finally got to my stream. And I was like, you top eight at a GP? It's in Nashville? That's not that far. I'm in. And we couldn't find a third. It was back in the day where they listed the leaderboards on Magic Online of who was like who was number one in limited, who was number two, who was number three. So we sent a message in the Moto client to the number one person on the limited leaderboard and said, want to team with me and Travis for a GP? And they said yes. So I, I met this guy at the GP. His name was Yang. He was super awesome. We literally had to shuffle his deck for him. It was the first time he'd ever played Paper Magic. The guy was a genius and very good at the game, but did not have the manual dexterity to shuffle his own deck. Thankfully, it was a Team GP suit that was okay. He's the only guy I've ever met that got into Magic through the Magic Online client, and I have no idea how he got there, because that's not how you get into Magic. You get into it through your buddies. And if, if that's the only way getting into a card game could work, then some of these other huge digital CCGs wouldn't exist, right? And like Arena is looking to capitalize on that audience. The people are like, I've heard of magic. I'd like to try that out. Here's a way I can do it for free. Sure. As opposed to I've heard of magic. I'd like to try that out. It's 10 bucks. Huh? And then I've got to play another 14 to draft. Huh? So $24 and I can't really play that much. I guess I'll try this other game. Agreed. 100%. I've seen people uh, so so big streamers streaming this game last week. Crip, Day9 was streaming it today. Um, Kibler was back streaming it today. Some of those were sponsored streams, obviously. But I was watching those chats and I was seeing people that said like, I haven't played in 20 years. I can get into this. Can I have a beta key? Or, or like, I'm interested in getting a beta key. How do I do that? What do these cards do? I've, I saw Hearthstone players that said like, hey, I play Hearthstone what is this magic like compared to Hearthstone? What are the similarities and differences? Um, I got a friend uh, or an acquaintance online who used to play magic a long time ago and popped into Discord the other day and said like, hey, I see you're streaming this magic arena. I used to play magic a long time ago. What's changed? Mm -hmm. And it's like you see all of these people kind of coming out of the woodwork that were either intimidated by magic or you know because like you said it wasn't a video game it was it was a like a pay-to-play experience more like a subscription model or 
um, you know, something that you had to buy a, a video game every month or something like that to play. And for new players, dropping all that money to draft is ridiculous. I can see doing it in paper because you have the social interaction. You're at a local game store where the buddy, your buddy next to you can kick you because you passed him a glory bringer and say like, no, you should pick this card. But on Magic Online, you're just thrown to the wolves. This, this, is, this lowers the barrier to entry for so many people. I could see it encouraging people coming back to the game. Um, people like you and me that, are, that enjoy the game but maybe just want to play it casually once in a while. Um, and then obviously, you know, people that are brand new to the game as well. So there's a lot of positives for this and and you're right. It doesn't, it doesn't cater to the pros, right? That's like the least targeted audience for arena right there. Everybody else is more of a target than they are. So we kind of have to take their opinions with a grain of salt. I, you know, I, I still think there's going to be arena pros, right? Like there's going to be people who are playing arena professionally. Hell, I'm one of them right now already. And like to, to your point, you're right. My chat was full of people today saying all of those things. I had people whose usernames I recognized that were watching two or three years ago, but had just been gone, show back up. And I'm like, hey, I remember that guy. And they're like, yeah, I've been gone for a while, but I've, Arena's piqued my interest. What is this like? I'm like, that's really fantastic to have all of these people coming back and, and looking and being interested again. Um, and I've also thought some like, I know this doesn't happen everywhere or all the time, but like there are gatekeepers as a barrier to entry to magic. Like if you go to the local game store, some of the game stores atmospheres are just so toxic that you're not going to want to play there. And you, like, if that's your only experience, you know, let's say I'm, I'm a, I've never played magic before. And I'm like, I think I might try this. I actually had this experience. I talked about this when I was in Sacramento where I went to a game store and it was so awful. I just left if I didn't know from past experience that not every game store was that bad, I might just never try it again and lose out on magic because of it. And that's not to mention any of the trouble you might have if you're too young or too old or you're, you're black or you're white or you're female or you're male or whatever it is that you might have people give you grief about. Now you can just avoid all of that and get into this fun game and then maybe find a group to play with in paper. Maybe not. Like, I, I think there'll be people that try Arena and then don't go play paper. And I think that's another thing that people, some people are just not grasping. This isn't just a way to funnel people to play paper. This is a way for people to play magic without ever having to interact like that if that's what they want. Yeah, I, I could see it definitely going both ways. I could see the people that play arena, you know, and get get enough experience to it and, you know, in with it and then go to their game store and say like, hey, like I play arena. How do I come and play at your store? Like I can see that being a small number of people, but a significant number of people to those game stores. The other way is interesting too, is we've always talked about digital redemption codes and packs. Oh like, yeah. And, and they've, they haven't talked about this. This is like pure pipe dream here, but how great would it be for the paper players, either the ones that play arena or the ones that don't to open a coupon code in their pack for like a rare wild card? Dude. Or an uncommon wild card. You could you could sell those if you don't play on arena, getting a little bit of your cost back for your packs. Or you could just go and play arena. There's already a place in the interface to put in a code. I don't know if you fiddled mm -hmm. around with that. I've tried like eight codes so far. Um, Simulant is sexy, doesn't get you anything. Free packs don't get you anything. Fat cat doesn't get you anything. So I can confirm some that don't work. But there's already a spot there for you to redeem a code. So I, I have to imagine they're doing something like that. Like get a paper pack, 
get a digital pack? That sounds interesting to me. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we don't know, but I, I think yeah, that's that, that pure is speculation. Pure speculation. But the Pokemon Trading Card Game does that already and does it very well. Um, when my daughter played Pokemon, she wanted to play online because she opened these packs that had these codes on them. So of, of course, I'm gonna we're gonna open it up and we're gonna fiddle around with that, and it worked really well. Um, I think that would be an easy win for them, and it's something that they're already putting in the packs anyway. When it comes to like the ad cards. Yeah. Right. It's not that it's not that far off to just put a unique code on there and give somebody a wild card or give somebody a pack or give away promos at your local game stores. Right. Go to Friday Night Magic, get a digital pack. Everybody gets a digital pack or something like that. Right. Like there's these things that they can do to merge the two environments together. And I think it would be a disservice to the game magic in general if they didn't try to do that. But even if they don't. You're right. There's going to be people that play online and ex- exclusively online, and that's not a bad thing because there are people that weren't playing Magic before. You're absolutely right. There's going to be arena pros. Whether those pros cross over in the, in the paper space, yet to be seen. We will see. Um, but either way, it's good for the game, and more people playing the game is obviously better. We say that all the time. Can you imagine if you go to a paper pre-release and get a code for a digital pre-release? That would be pretty sweet. That would be, I would go to a paper pre-release for that, especially for a set I'm pretty excited about anyway. Like I'm on the fence about whether I want to try to go to a paper pre-release for Dominaria. I'm probably not gonna, but like if I went to a paper pre-release and I got a free digital pre-release, I'd I'd probably jump over that hurdle. You should take your misses and uh, go to a two-headed giant pre-release. That might be fun. That might be fun. But whatever. That's, that's for another day right there. Um, yeah. Anything else about about Arena here? They did make some announcements uh, earlier this week. What what are the, what were those announcements that were interesting to you? So they said on stream confirmed we will have draft. It will be best of three, and it will contain full card packs. So like we've already mentioned that we know that for sure. We don't know what else there might be. They did also say that Kaladesh will be released on Arena. It's not coded yet, but they're working on it. And that Dominaria will be released on Arena. I, I think you could, I mean, duh, Dominaria is going to be released on Arena. They also said the next major update is towards the end of April, which interestingly is also when Dominaria comes out. So they didn't say that update will contain Dominaria, but it'd kind of blow my mind if it doesn't. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it's definitely, we're definitely going to get Dominaria. I don't think we'll get draft for then, but wouldn't that be a thing if we could draft Dominaria on Magic Arena? I'd be super stoked about it, but I, I, and like the other thing that like, this isn't going to contain sealed and sealed is always a format that I've enjoyed. So I've had, I've had actually only one or two people come in and say, when are you going to play magic online again? And viewership's been up. So I, I think there's, there's more people interested in arena right now than, than magic online kind of had going for it. But I, I do still plan to play that because I, I enjoy sealed. I want to play sealed. And like I said, when I'm practicing for GPDC, I certainly intend to draft on Magic Online for that, as opposed to even even if a draft is out on Arena, I don't want to I don't want to do it there. Yep. Great. And then they also obviously said that they were working on the economy, um, changing how the vault works and things like that. So we're going to see those types of things coming up in April or a little sooner as well, depending on what knobs they can tweak without doing a full release. So yeah, I, I still, it, I'm I'm not convinced that it's that slow to begin with. Like I've been grinding out all of the rewards per day. I have two functional decks. One's a little better than the other, 
and that's in less than a week of playing. Like tomorrow will be, you know, we've been playing for a week, right? So like that that seems like a pretty dang good pace to me. Yeah, I think uh, I think there people are just comparing it to what the previous beta was or to even other games, right? The previous beta we were getting packs hand over fist and um in eternal for example it's like a very generous free-to-play model you know i never put a dollar in and, and i could chain drafts or like grind out my draft a week or forge a week or whatever it was at the time and and it was a lot it felt like a lot of rewards so um you know i think it's apples to oranges at that point because you know magic this is a new space for magic right they're still, still kind of exploring the space when it comes to to the economy and things like that but i mean i like the wild cards you know, I like them a lot more than I thought that I would, and I, I I enjoy them more. I enjoy looking forward to getting a wild card. Um, it's unfortunate that I don't enjoy the rewards out of an individual pack all that all that often, right? Like opening yeah. those dud mythics kind of sucks. But like, oh, that's you know, the you're just worst, one closer, isn't it? Yeah, but you're just one closer to your mythic wild card, right? So those do feel really rewarding and really cool. So I don't know. There's, there's a bit of a balance they need to work on, um, but you know, they'll get there. One thing for sure that they are doing that they're not going to tell us that they're doing is they're watching all of the numbers behind the scenes, right? They're, they, they're going to see how many people are, are crafting cards and how frequently they're crafting cards or buying them with wild cards and how many packs people are opening and things like that. How many cards are in everybody's collection? They're They have those numbers and they're looking at those constantly. And, and, you know, again, they have to make money off of this or else it's not going to exist. They're not just doing this out of the goodness of their heart. Um, they're doing it to, to make a profit and keep people employed. So, we have to remember that, um, you know, something will change. I just don't think obviously it'll tilt a hundred percent in our favor because it can't. And we just have to kind of, we, the collective, we, not you and I, I think you and I understand this, but we have to understand that, that, you know, this is how free to play models work, right? You're going to grind out some cards. You're going to grind out some wins and it's going to be slow or you can just dump $50 into it at, at the start of a set and, and kind of play one or two decks from there. So, you know, I look forward to it. It does, it does kind of, feel slow to backfill an entire collection and when they add kaladesh and dominaria and then they if they do a wipe as well at some point like that's a lot of sets to, to fill out here so um it'll be interesting interesting to see what happens there but it's interesting that you mentioned that it's slow but that slow is actually what you mentioned that you liked the most at the top of the podcast so it's mm-hmm. like this thing that's frustrating is also the thing that you enjoy the most like magic's a great game and like however they release this I still think for me it hinges on the price point. How much are the packs? How much is draft? Can I chain drafts? Like once I know those three questions, the the answer to those three questions, I think I'm I'm ready to dive headlong into arena. That said, without knowing the answers to that, I've been playing it for a week straight and having a blast. Well, it is the new hotness, and I think the thing that I enjoy the most is that restrictions breed creativity. Right. That's and that's why I like limited. So um, and, and this is certainly that. But I mean, it'll change and I'll enjoy it for what it is. I'll have my pet decks. I'll have my tier one decks and it'll be great. People will watch the stream. I'll draft um, and, and it'll it'll feel good. You know, sometimes it's nice to play games when there's not something on the line. Um, I just have to keep reminding myself that I would much rather win than lose. And that's 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 all that I need right now in arena. Yeah, I want rank to matter, and I want my cat avatar, and there's a lot of other stuff I want too. I want sleeves, I want game boards, but all that stuff is coming, I'm sure. Soon, soon. Mm-hmm. All right, I think that's enough for Arena this week. Next week, we'll be back with Modern Cube Preview, so look for that episode a little early. 
um, which is which is great. Uh, looking forward to another cube, and then we're right into the Dominaria preview season. Now, speaking of previews, David, yes, any news on that we, front? So, while we are not allowed to speak of the card that we may be previewing, we are allowed to say that we do have a preview card coming on April 10th. So it's still two weeks away, week and a half away, depending on when you listen to this. Um, but big news for us. That is that is much hype. We have been looking forward to uh, hopefully convincing the people at Wizards that we do good enough content that we can get a preview card. And lo and behold, we have them. So, um, so look forward to that. Not next week, but the week after. We'll be doing a special podcast early that week, uh, just like we're doing next week's early. So forward to that on the 10th i can't believe it's that close like dominaria is like like less than i guess it's four weeks away one two three no three and a half weeks away yeah the pre-release we're gonna be in dominaria soon man it's gonna be awesome and we got a preview card oh i'm so excited you have no idea how unbelievably hyped i was to see that email yeah good stuff good stuff so but that's gonna wrap us up this week so we'll leave it on a positive note. Actually, the whole episode was positive, but that is extremely positive for us. Yeah. So we'll do a couple of show notes here at the end. One, the Patreon's still active. We're going to be doing our monthly rewards coming up here pretty quick. If you want in on that, you can check it out at patreon.com slash menformoto. You can also follow the Men for Moto Twitter account, which is Men for Moto. We tweet out uh, show notes and the like there. Um, not much else, but we'll you'll definitely see our preview cards there. Once the podcast goes live on April 10th, Travis, where can they catch you streaming arena this week? You can find more arena at twitch.tv slash Simulan. I may even get in one more master's draft before it's gone. Cause that format's sweet. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Simulan S E M U L I N. And I am D civilian as D S A V I L L I A N on Twitch and Twitter. The same. I'll probably do the same as Travis, just maybe not as frequently. We'll definitely do some arena cracks and packs. And uh, I'd like to fit in another Masters draft before Cube launches next week. So once again, thanks for listening. And thanks to Mana Deprived and face 2 for the host. We'll catch you next time. See you next week.